Hello and welcome to the Hormones in Harmony podcast. I'm your host, Vivian Allred, naturopathic nutritional therapist and hormone enthusiast. If you want to learn how to rebalance your female hormones, regulate your menstrual cycle and reclaim your vitality, then you are in the right place. Each week I will be delving into different conditions such as PCOS, endometriosis, infertility, hypothyroidism, acne and hair loss. Stay tuned for interviews with expert guests, Q&As and solo episodes that are all intended to help you move from hormonal chaos to hormonal harmony. If you'd like to submit a question for me to answer on the podcast, then you can email them to hormonesinharmony at gmail.com. The information shared on this podcast is intended for educational purposes only and is not designed to replace the advice of your health practitioner. That said, let's get into today's episode. So today we're talking all about circadian rhythm, blue light and how to hack your sleep with founder and CEO of the company Blue Blocks, Andy Mount. This is a company specialising in evidence-based advanced light filtering eyewear. Andy started Blue Blocks after becoming dissatisfied with the quality and standards of blue light blocking glasses available and so set about to design lenses that match the evidence in the academic literature. Through Blue Blocks, he and his team designed eyewear that is not mass produced from a factory in China, but rather the bespoke lenses are manufactured and fitted in Australia, ensuring that each pair is infused with love, care and quality. Education is Andy's number one objective and his previous podcast appearances have not been pitches for his product, but rather educational content to empower his listeners to create a better light environment and a better life as a knock-on effect. Blue Blocks is a brand that truly believes in giving. Through their non-for-profit partnership with Restoring Vision, they are giving the gift of sight to those in need with the buy one, donate one glasses campaign. So that means when you purchase from Blue Blocks, they'll donate to someone who needs glasses, who financially can't afford them, which I think is amazing. And if you're interested in Blue Blocks glasses after listening to this, and I'm pretty sure that you're gonna be wanting to hop on online right away and order a pair because they changed my sleep and my deep sleep quality and I track that and I've got the data to prove it and you can hear a little bit about my story and experience with them later in the episode but Andy has been kind enough to give us as the Hormones in Harmony community 15% off your purchase with the code hormones at the checkout that's h-o-r-m-o-n-e-s at the checkout to save 15%. In this episode we discuss the importance of optimal circadian rhythm for overall health it can literally affect every body system but particularly hormonal health Blue light, the difference between natural exposure from the sun compared to the technology, the artificial room lighting. How melatonin is not just a sleep hormone, but it's a key antioxidant protecting us against inflammation and cancer, and therefore why we need more of that. Sleep hacks and tips, especially for night shift workers. And finally, the different products that Blue Blocks offers and how to know which one is the best for you. So this has seriously been one of my favorite episodes so far. I actually learned a ton about blue light and circadian rhythm that I hadn't been aware of and I will definitely be stepping up my game in terms of being more aware about my sunlight exposure or should I say lack thereof. So starting off could you tell us a bit more about who you are, what it is that you do and what got you interested in blue light, circadian rhythm, those types of things? Yeah absolutely so um, yeah my my name's Andy Mant, Um, I am a British um, guy that uh, moved to Australia about a decade ago Um, and I started my health journey um, probably about eight years ago, became very overweight, Um, my lifestyle was terrible like I just really sort of lazed around and didn't do much, Um, ate terribly 
Um, but I tried, tried dieting, tried going to the gym, none of it really worked, um, which led me to uh, sort of start taking a look at the academic literature in, in so much of, well, what was the actual peer-reviewed studies and um, saying about sort of diet and, and exercise? And I dived deep into the literature and found out um, specific dieting protocols that really worked for me. I got in shape um, and my health improved. Um, and that one thing that always um, didn't really work well since I was about 14 and, and when I was, it's probably quite um, interesting to mention because obviously your, your um, podcast all about hormones. Um, 14 for, for a guy is probably that sort of time they're starting to have a lot of hormonal changes, you know, themselves. And I just couldn't sleep well from sort of about 14 until about sort of five, six years ago. And I had no idea why. I just thought, you know, that's just what it is. My, um, my mum and my dad were the same. They, they just never really slept that well. Um, so I just put it down to genetics and carried on. But when I obviously got some really good results from, um, you know, looking at academic literature regards to um, health and, and, um, and nutrition, I thought I've, I've got to look into this a little bit more and see if there's anything out there about sleep. And that's what really got me interested in it. And I stumbled across a lot of studies that um, suggested that a disrupted circadian rhythm can lead to bad sleep. And um, then I sort of I'm always used to be quite active on forums um, and then Facebook and Twitter. And I started following some people on there um, that were really talking a lot about how light impacted circadian rhythms. So I started to read and research a lot more and um, found that if we expose ourselves to artificial light in, in the blue and green range after sunset, it can disrupt melatonin, which can um, impair our sleep quality. Um, and the solution to this, and there's a few studies out there that show this in clinical trials, that if you wear blue light blocking glasses after the sunset, you can increase the amount of melatonin you produce and um, get better sleep. So I thought, okay, well, I'm going to go on Amazon, buy myself a cheap pair of, of blue blockers. And they were sort of like a, a pale amber color. I popped them on and I literally had the best night's sleep I'd ever had. I didn't sleep all the way through, but I felt more refreshed after wearing these glasses. Um, and I was, I was really pleased with this. I, I wore them for a couple of weeks and then my sleep regressed again. And I was just like, oh, well, what's, what's going on here? Um, and it just sort of came to me and I was thinking to myself, well, when you look at sort of the, I guess the, the quantum physics of light um, from my research, um, there was a specific area of, of blue and green light you needed to block in order to optimize melatonin. And that was between 400 and 550 nanometers. We don't need to get into the deep science about that. It's basically all the blue spectrum and half of the green spectrum, 100% of that needs to be blocked. And I was fortunate enough to have some mates in an, in an optics lab here in Australia. So being the geek I was at this time, I'd, I'd accumulated quite a few different blue light glasses. My wife had a few pairs. We took them to the lab and, and they said that they could test them with their lab grade spectrometer. And they tested these glasses and every single pair of the glasses that we checked, just the cheap pairs you get on Amazon or, or eBay and, and some of the more popular brands actually from, from websites, we found that not one of them even blocked all the blue light. Um, let alone green light. So these glasses weren't doing what they were advertised to, to do. So I said to the guys um, in the lab, I said, well, I know exactly what I need to block according to uh, peer-reviewed clinical trials. 
can you create me lenses to do that? And they said, yeah, it's not a problem. We can just do that. They didn't really understand it, but they did as they're told and created these lenses. Um, and then I sent them out to a few top influencers um, that were talking about light who already wore blue light blocking glasses and said to them, try these glasses and just let me know what you think. Here's all the evidence that's gone into them. They're made in labs in Australia, not in China. Um, let me know what your thoughts are. And these are people like Luke Story, um, Bill Lagacost, Lacey Phillips, you know, people like that, that kind of knew what they were talking about in terms of light, but um, probably didn't take such a deep dive that maybe I had done. So I sent them to these, these people and maybe about 20 in total. And every single one of them came back to me going like, you've got something here, it's a game changer. Our sleep is so much better, um, we're feeling great. And this was after like just a few uses. And that was how Blue Blocks was born. And um, ever since, you know, it's, it started, it's grown, which has been great. We've been pro providing all the education and evidence behind lights because a lot of brands out there are really jumping on the bandwagon of blue lights, a buzzword, let's get some glasses from China and flog them on the internet. And it's just not as simple as that because there's so many flaws with these glasses we can talk about obviously later if it comes up. But when we're trying to focus on optimizing hormones and mental health, we don't want to leave anything on the table. We want optimal every single time. And that's what we set out to create. So that's really my journey to date. Um, and it was a good sort of 18 months worth of diving into the literature before I even considered starting a company. So I really got that grounding in light, um, quantum biology, and, and I guess a little bit on the biophysics side of light as well, which really helped me explain the product, but also create the best product that was um that could be, be made absolutely i can tell you're so passionate about it because it's helping you and once you know something is so effective you just can't help but spread the word on that but with your usage of the just cheap amazon ones and it helping you why do you think that was do you think it was like a placebo effect initially that even i've noticed a, a slight benefit with using the cheaper ones not as much mm -hmm. as the blue blocks ones but do you think they do help somewhat or is it just a placebo? Yeah, I, I don't think it's a placebo effect. I think it's a scale. Um, and I think melatonin, um, when you're not wearing any eye protection, so blue light glasses, and you're what, you've got all the house lights on, um, you're watching TV, scrolling through your phone, I think you're going to be producing very minimal amounts of melatonin. Um, when you wear a pair of cheap sort of amber glasses that's not blocking all that light, I think you can increase the amount of melatonin you're producing. However, to maximize out what your body can naturally produce in that specific hormone, melatonin, you need physiological darkness, which is the absence of light between 400 and 550 nanometers, which none of these glasses block. So what I think happened was, um, in my instance, and, and this would probably be in a lot of other people's instances, they get these glasses on, which is a step up from what they're doing, which is having their naked eyes look at um, artificial blue and green light. They're cutting probably, say, 50 to 80% of that light out, and then ultimately having more melatonin and a better sleep. Um, but as the eyes then get used to that, um, it's still not enough um, to produce the optimal amounts of melatonin. So it's very clear in the evidence that it's 100% within that banding that I suggested you need to block. And when you actually start blocking 100% in that range, this is when you start seeing that, wow, this is a level up. You don't know it until you've tried it. It's very much like dieting, you see. You don't, you know, you could think you're following a good diet. You could be following a carnival diet. You could be following a vegan diet, whatever, whatever diet takes your fancy. Um, but 
you know, you might get some good results on that in the short term, but in the long term, are those diets going to be the best for you? you? You don't know until you've tried it, other diets or tried it for the long term. So, you know, light's very much the same. You know, you can sort of get by with a bit of sort of haphazard, half-assed light management for a while. But, you know, in 20 years time when, you know, you're developing hormonal issues or your hormones aren't balanced as such, you would have wished back then that you went for that optimal route. So, you know, it's all about, I guess, optimizing everything for me. I, I don't want, you know, something that's going to help people a little bit. I want something that is going to be the best product out there to be able to help people. And if I can't manufacture that product myself, I won't, I, I, I won't release it. You know, if it's 99%, I won't release it. It has to be the most optimal. And I think that, you know, it's, it's, it's just people's hormones and health that we're talking about. And I, I just, I'm like you said, I'm so passionate about helping. I don't want people to be sort of half-assed with it. It's got to be the whole hog. Um, so yeah, in answer to your question, I don't think it's placebo. I think it's just um, better than nothing, these amber glasses. Um, but when you go up to that sort of deep amber and red and, and you're blocking within that range that the science says you should block in, that's when you really level up and you really start noticing it very quickly. Yeah. And I think if people are already wanting to make that positive shift by purchasing some glasses and invested in that i think you might as well just go for the best on the market to get the full results like you said and with blue light we sometimes hear that it's a natural um a natural thing from sunlight so how does that differ from the blue light that you're talking about or is it just that timing of the blue light exposure that's the issue yeah, absolutely. So if we look at blue light in isolation, okay, so blue light in isolation has these characteristics. It increases cortisol, it increases dopamine, it increases serotonin, okay? They're the good things um, if, it's, if it's in isolation. You want that during the day. It also does some negative things, okay? So blue light is very high energy, so it damages cells in your skin and in your eyes. It excites um, obviously molecules in your body, which can cause things like dry eyes, you know, headaches, that type of that type of thing. So nature always has a um, counter sort of balance to things to restore homeostasis. Now, artificial light is very much blue light in isolation. Okay, so there's not really much of the much of any other color in it. There's a lot of blue, a lot of green, a little bit of yellow little bit of orange and pretty much no red okay and that's in led artificial fluorescent lights now when you look at sunlight sunlight is balanced in every single color so the amount of blue green yellow amber and red is all pretty much the same now what each color in the spectrum does is it does something different to our hormones and our physiological well-being um, and red light, for instance, which is at the complete other end of the spectrum of blue, is a restorative color. It restores, it repairs and um, protects. So, for instance, if you're outside during the day and blue light, you're being exposed to blue light, you're getting all those amazing benefits because it's natural, it's coming in from the sun, but it is still damaging your skin and it is still damaging your eyes. However, the red light in the sun is repairing any of that cell damage and clearing out any dead cells and repairing and regenerating the damage that the blue is causing. So that's why it's a very good source of, of light, natural light. The issue with blue light is because it doesn't have any of that red light in it and it's very high in blue, we're getting cortisol switched on from um, not just the daylight hours, but during the nighttime as well, when there should actually naturally and ancestrally be no blue light. 
Um, but we're also getting, um, we're getting too much blue light into our eyes, too much cell damage, too much mitochondrial damage, and then none of the restorative red light because we're rarely going outside to get the, um, the, the counter effects. So that is why blue light is so bad. On, on, during the day, it's too much of it, no repair, digitalized strain, macular degeneration, headaches, migraines, fatigue. After dark, when you look at our ancestors, they would have um, you know, sat around a campfire maybe. That's all red light and orange light. Whereas now we're coming home, we're switching on um, our lights, which is in, in essence telling our brain to keep cortisol levels high, which is not good because after dark we need low levels of cortisol because melatonin can only be released in the absence of blue light after dark optimally, but also cortisol levels need to be lower for melatonin to be secreted. Um, so we've just got to be very mindful that, you know, how we evolved ancestrally was under a circadian rhythm. So a circadian rhythm is, uh, it's Latin, circa and dian, about a day. So all the cells in our body run on this circadian rhythm and it it's basically matches the spin of the earth. So during the day, um, cues from light, from the sun, tell our brain that it's daytime to release specific hormones and neuropeptides. And then after the sun sets and darkness sets in and we just have firelight, those signals of light and darkness send messages to our brains to switch off other hormones like cortisol, switch on melatonin, for instance. So when we're putting on these little alien suns in our house after dark, like um, our TV, our smartphone, our LED lights, opening the fridge to cook dinner, there's an LED light in there. That blue light sends a message to our brain that it's daytime, keep cortisol levels high, and then don't, don't produce as much melatonin. So we wreck our sleep, we feel you know, really crappy the next day, really fatigued and tired. And we think we can cope in the short term. And we, we probably can in our 20s because, you know, I remember in my 20s going out for two week, two nights over a weekend on, on the beers and um, getting in at three in the morning and then getting up at about midday and doing the same thing again. But now you get a bit older, you realize, wow, that was wreaking havoc on my circadian rhythms. And you start to develop issues and in my case it was gaining a lot of weight and having a lot of health issues like kidney stones and having my appendix out in my sort of mid-20s um, so these things you know you can cope with in the short term but in the long term you're going to lead to things like hormone disruption can lead to chronic issues in you know things like sort of um, anxiety depression stress and you know fertility issues as well and, and insomnia and you're seeing all these issues now in the younger generation, the millennials that have grown up under more intense artificial light and they are getting anxiety in their teens and twenties, they're getting depression, they're getting obesity a lot um, younger. Um, blue light negatively impacts in isolation, blood glucose levels, it rise, makes them rise along with microwaves, EMF, Wi-Fi. So we've put ourselves in this environment and our kids in this environment where, you know, diseases that, and, and, mental health issues that perhaps people got in their 60s, 70s and 80s from our parents' um, point of view, people are now getting in their teens and 20s and it's, you know, light is contributing and, and misappropriated light management is contributing to this epidemic when you actually look at some of the literature. Absolutely. And I know it's hard to know an exact number or but just in your opinion, how much do you think is due to light and circadian rhythm imbalances with some of these chronic health issues or hormonal imbalances and sleep disturbances, as opposed to the diet and lifestyle, um, high sugar intake, imbalanced blood sugar, 
environmental toxins like what ratio do you think sleep and circadian rhythm play yeah i think it's a, i think it's a great question and you know most of the light gurus would sit here and say 100 percent. but I, I don't classify myself as a guru i, I class myself classify myself as an evidence-based sort of practitioner um, and i don't think one thing regards to lifestyle is more important than the, in, than the next but i feel that if one of them is out of sync you might as well not bother with the others. So for instance, I believe that light management is very, very key. Light hygiene has to be corrected. I think that you need to address your non-native EMF exposure. Um, I believe that people need to ground more and be um, also exposed to more extremes in temperature, so cold and heat. I believe that um, nutrition plays a, plays a key role when it comes to seasonality of eating in line with your genealogy and ancestry. And I also believe that exercise plays a key role. Now, one thing that covers every, so all these are sort of in my mind, like vertical sort of pillars of health. And then what sits above every single one of them is circadian rhythms. And each one of those facets that I've spoken about all comes down to circadian timing. So the time you eat your food, the time you exercise, the time you um, want to ground, the time you want to expose yourself to blue um, light, red light, green lights, etc. It all comes back to circadian rhythms, and um, you know it's it's light is the biggest cue of, of our master clock, and um, it's the master clock is located sort of um, right in the middle of the brain, the central, uh, the suprachiasmatic nucleus, and it's entrained by light. Okay, but every single cell in our body has its own circadian rhythm as well. It has its own little clock. So I like to explain that you have an orchestra of clocks. So the orchestra is made up of lots of different instruments. So say for instance, your liver clock, your pancreas clock, your skin clock, your heart clock, your brain clock, everything, all very different, okay? Now, the main conductor of that orchestra is your central clock, which is entrained by light. So if that central conductor is off, it's, it's sort of conducting, the, the, the peripheral clocks in all the other cells aren't going to function properly. And the same is true the other way around. If the peripheral clocks aren't functioning properly, so if your pancreas clock isn't functioning properly, properly you're going to have a problem with insulin um, sensitivity or sensitivity or insulin resistance, blood glucose problems. If your liver clock isn't functioning, well, you're going to have problems with, with, with liver-related um, diseases. If you're going to have an off um, heart circadian rhythm, you're going to have heart problems. Um, so you need to sync each and every clock in your body in line with that master clock. And, and the ways to do that is in training your brain um, and, and the supra and the master clock um, through sunlight in the morning when the sun rises, that, that entrains the master clock. But also having your largest meal at the beginning of the day within four hours of awakening to entrain those um, sort of liver and pancreas and digestive clocks. And you also find that when you've got a properly functioning circadian rhythm, leptin, ghrelin, and neuropeptides are also optimal in the morning period. So that's when you want to be eating. They're not optimal after dark. You're more insulin resistant after dark. You're more insulin resistant if you eat under artificial light. Studies have shown this. Um, and then to entrain your skeletal muscle clock, you want to be working out in the morning. So you want all these clocks entrained at the same time, or you're going to throw off um, that hormonal balance within your system. So, you know, you may have, say, these are just throwaway numbers, 100 clocks in your, in your body, in your organs or what have you, and then you've got your master clock. If 99 of those clocks are functioning correctly, but your 
I don't know, say the clock system in your ovaries or in your placenta is not functioning properly, um, very high areas of melatonin production in those two areas, by the way, um, then you could be in 99% peak physical fitness and condition, but you'll be more susceptible to developing ovarian cancer or polycystic ovary um, conditions. So you've got to just make sure that it's not this sort of, you know, throw away light, right? It's all about light. It's all about timing of light. Yes, it is. It's very important. Don't get me wrong. But you've got to look at the circadian aspects of other clock systems as well. And to be fair, when you start looking at the, the literature behind this, it's not as daunting as I, as I sort of make out. It's more or less the same in every situation. Like people that go, go to bed earlier will have, like just from a reproductive standpoint, people who go to bed earlier will be able to conceive a lot easier. Men will have higher testosterone less levels, less um, sort of sperm antibodies. Estrogen levels will be more balanced in women that go to bed early and wake with the sunrise. So when you actually start looking at the literature, it is actually a lot of, a lot of similarities in each of how each of the clock system works. So as long as you're getting up in the morning, watching the sunrise, managing light throughout the day, not exposing yourself to artificial light after dark, wearing blue light glasses, etc., um, and doing a few other hacks related to light, which we can come on to later, you're going to have a good time, um, you know, really mastering your, um, your hormones. Definitely. So it seems like there's not one body system that light doesn't affect. And that's mm -hmm. a pretty powerful thing. And I think some people especially in places like the UK or in winter months, they think that the room lighting is probably even brighter than the outdoor lighting. So what's the difference? So when you step outside, even if it's a cloudy day, are we still getting the benefits there? Or is it places like in Australia where you are, where it's summer currently, is that when we get the most benefits? Yeah, look, it's, it's a lot easier when, you know, with me sat here in Australia with 300 days of, of sunshine a year. So, but I'm from the UK, so I understand how depressing that place can, can be in, in the winters. Um, you know, there's a seasonal affective disorder. Um, the glasses I'm actually wearing now, the yellow ones are designed to combat that in, in the winter, um, which, is, which is interesting. It's colour therapy and taking out specific frequencies of the light that, um, that, that can cause that. The issue we have in the UK is not so much the lack of the sun, it's the lack of us getting out in the sun during those cold periods. Now, there's something that was basically produced wartime, and I believe it was produced to allow for farmers to get extra time in the winter or, or summer, sorry, to, to actually harvest their crops and, and support the, um, I guess, the, the population because we were at war and imports of food was, was obviously um, was very low. It was something called daylight savings. Now, this has really sort of screwed up the UK um, because we don't have it here in WA, which is fantastic. So I can get up nice and early and, and go to bed early. But when you're moving around um, the clocks, you're not, you, I guess, when you're moving time, you're not actually changing the pattern of the sun. Okay, the sun still rises at the same time it would because um, time is obviously like a man made invention. What the issue is, is working hours. We're working in this Fordian era still of nine to five working, Monday to Friday. But when we start altering the time of, um, you know, moving it forward or back an hour, we're actually manipulating how much of the sun we can see. And I remember in the UK going to work in the dark and coming home in the dark. Whereas if they didn't mess around with, um, with daylight savings, I would have more more time to actually get sun in, in during the day and in, in the winter months. 
So people need to realize that, you know, it's not the lack of sun, it's the lack of actually being out in the sun because you still get good benefits from being outside um, in the day in, in cloudy conditions. And one example of that is um, my brother-in-law in, in the UK, he is a um, woodsman. Um, so he works outside every day, come rain or shine. Um, and literally all year round, this guy has an amazing tan, even in the winter he's tanned and he's, you know, of, of Celtic origin. Um, so he is living proof, um, anecdotally, because it's only in one person, that he is outside constantly, he's not wearing sunscreen, he's exposing himself to the light um, in, um, in the winter months, he's always got this all round year tan, like, you know, on him. So he's obviously getting enough sun exposure. Now you compare that to someone that's sat in an office, okay? They're not seeing the sun at all. So they're not getting any of the benefits from this balanced spectrum of reds, greens, blues, um, ambers. All they're getting is this artificial light that's very high in blue. It's keeping cortisol levels high all the time. People are feeling fatigued because they're just getting chronic stress from this, this cortisol level being high continuously. And then come, I think, what is it, the first or second February um, in the UK is like the highest amount of suicides every year because people are so depressed um, and down following, you know, months of, of crappy light exposure that they, they, they end up, you know, getting to a state with, of really poor mental health and, and doing, you know, really bad things to themselves. Um, whereas if people started to get outside more and started to balance their hormones from you know natural sources of light like the sun, they wouldn't have um, such high levels of anxiety and depression from working indoors. So a lot of it's a double-edged sword. Like it's not good to be working under artificial light, and you can wear a lot of protection, like the yellow glasses that I'm wearing, perfect for the winter months because you're exposed to more artificial light, less natural light. But you know that is only half of the equation. The other half of the equation is that you need to be outside. You, I can't stress that enough. You need to be out in that morning. You need to be out in the afternoon. You need to be out in the evening, letting your eyes see this light, whether it's raining or, or snowing or, or cloudy in the UK. And you can do this. People might say, oh, well, I can't do it. You know, I'm in work. Well, yeah, you can. Smokers go out for smoke breaks. You're going out for an, a breath of fresh air for five minutes because you don't need long. You just need a few minutes in the sun in the morning to allow light to pass through your eyes, get the sunglasses off, and send a message to your brain that, oh, it's this time of the day, I, I can release these hormones and um, blocking the artificial light after dark as well to not tell your brain it's still daytime. Um, we're just devoid of darkness in, in the winter months. And it's quite ironic because it's dark outside, yet we put all these lights on and, and we literally cannot, um, cannot switch off. And we've got to remember as well that, um, you know, we got to ad adhere and obey to the latitude that we live in. Um, and by that, I mean that um, in winter months, I will typically sleep more than I do in summer months. Um, the nights are longer and there is less sunshine. It's just, you know, it's basic sort of astrophysics. It's how the earth is, is moving and, and you are going to get less daylight hours. But I sleep longer. Um, you know, animals, some animals hibernate during these months. Um, I'm not saying to, to hibernate to people, but you know, you could. sleep more. Yeah, I know it'd be amazing. Yeah. Um, sleep, sleep more and don't, don't worry about that. And in the summer when the, you know, you've got a proper circadian rhythm, I'm up at like 4.35 in the morning with the sunrise. And then I'm in bed by like sort of half nine at night. And I have a lot more energy in the summer, but we need to embrace this a little bit more and not be a lot of people in the biohacking um, sort of side of things seem to think that right sleep is eight hours a night regardless of the season and, that, and that's so incorrect light is 
is the governor of sleep. Um, and sleep basically can be, you know, it could be 10 hours in, in the winter. It can be six hours in the, in the summer. As long as our circadian rhythm is functioning correctly, our brains and hormones will dictate to us how much sleep or how little sleep we need, depending on the seasons. And, um, you know, people need to move away from the fact that it's just an eight hour sleep cycle that we need. It's, it's, it's nonsense. It really is. And it's really, it's, it's hard to explain to people because people will be listening to this thinking, oh, wow, you know, this is really far fetched stuff. But until you actually do this and start getting up and watching every sunrise in the morning, I was never a morning person. I used to get up at like midday, as I, as I mentioned, but I was not, once I started doing maybe a couple of weeks of forcing myself up in the morning, I literally cannot lie in anymore. Like a lie in to me is like sort of maybe 6 a.m. And even then I feel revolting getting out of bed. So, you know, it's, you, you just have to do it. And then your body, once it's syncing correctly and that orchestra is all in, in harmony with all the other clocks, you almost don't have to think about it. Your body tells you this is time for bed. This is time to get up. And it's all natural and you just feel great. And it's like, you know, caffeine, one thing that I used to be addicted to, I don't drink any of it now. Um, number one, it made me feel very anxious, but two, it's a, a, a really bad adenosine um, receptor blocker, which, you know, basically doesn't allow you to sleep very well. I dropped that, but from getting up in the morning, watching the sunrise, I get such a hit of dopamine and serotonin. that I feel awake almost instantly now. So it's just getting into these habits and pushing yourself to do it for a couple of weeks and your health and hormones will thank you in the long run. Yeah, sunlight is nature's caffeine. We can all think of mm -hmm. it that way and try and get the benefits without all of Love the it. jitteriness and anxiety that can come with it. And mm. with, um, I have a few follow-on questions from that. So with your, do you say it was your brother-in-law who was the, or your brother yes. who works outside? Yeah. Um, what are your thoughts on sunscreen? So people who use it pretty much all year round to protect against skin cancer or premature aging, does that in any way affect our circadian rhythm or is it just what we get through our eyes that are that is the most important and also what are your thoughts on the light therapy lamps or the sad lamps so if someone is at a desk could they plug something like that in and find some benefit when they can't yeah, get outside um yeah i think you've got quite a few questions in there so yeah. um forgive me if i miss any and just circle back and and put me put me back in so your first one was on sunscreen okay now context needs to be applied to sunscreen okay if you've got a messed up circadian rhythm um, and you're going out in the sun in the middle of the afternoon without seeing the sunrise, then you're going to have a problem regardless to whether you wear sunscreen or not. You're going to burn. Nature changes the composition um, in terms of light spectrometry of the sun throughout the day. In the morning, you have very high levels of infrared light and very low levels of ultraviolet light. Now, ultraviolet light, which I refer to as UV from now on, is the light that everyone likes to demonize as causing skin cancer. It's a sort of a, a double-edged sword. It's like a yes and a no answer to, to, to this, okay? So in the mornings, when you're watching the sunrise, you're also building something in your skin called melanin. Now, melanin is reflected in a tan, okay? So you, people sometimes in the UK used to call it a base tan before they went to Spain and burnt. Um, but <laughs> they, they build up this tan, okay, in the, in the mornings, okay? It has to be in the mornings. Now, what melanin does it, is it absorbs and filters UV light. So if you miss that beginning bit of the sun, so say the sun rises at 7 a.m. So if you're not out in the sun between 7 and 9 a.m., for instance, that first two hours where UV light is low and infrared light is high, 
um, and then go out in the sun when the UV light starts to come out, you've got no protection. Then you put your sunscreen on, which is full of chemicals, which is causing all sorts of issues, keeps you out in the sun longer anyway, which isn't good. And then you're, you're literally going to burn burn it anyway. And if you don't, you're, you're actually getting no UV light, which is actually not good in itself as well. So if your circadian rhythm is, is correct, then there's no need for sunscreen. So I haven't worn sunscreen for about five years. Um, I was in the middle, middle East last year, didn't burn. It was like 45 degrees. Our summer's here about 40, 45 degrees um, centigrade. Um, no burning there. I was in the Maldives for 10 days um, from 6 a.m. sunrise to 6 p.m. sunset. No sunscreen on, no sunglasses, didn't burn. Because my circadian rhythm is functioning correctly, I'm always up with the rising sun and I have very high levels of melanin throughout the year, much like my brother-in-law. But if I didn't do that and I went to the Maldives and I didn't put sunscreen on, um, I would burn to a crisp and I would cause a lot of damage. Now, the damage in your skin from sunburn is caused by UV light. Now, we need UV light, okay? UV light synthesizes with cholesterol and it produces something called vitamin D. Now, when you look at the academic literature, all-cause mortality increases as vitamin D levels in humans decrease. Now, in Australia, as I mentioned, we get 300 days of sunshine a year. We have the lowest levels of vitamin D in the world, and we have the highest levels of skin cancer in the world. So you can put two and two together there and be like, wow, slip, slap, slop is not working here for, um, for Australians. And the reason being is twofold. And this is just my opinion, okay? Um, and I've seen studies to this effect, um, but obviously there are counter studies to this out there as well. So I'm, I'm not recommending throwing away the sunscreens, it's just my thoughts, and if people want to do it, totally up to them. Is number one, we have our own circadian system in our skin, okay? And it works independently to the master clock. So like I said, every cell in the body has its own clock system. And during the day, um, the clock system in the skin is, it's in that sort of active mode, okay? So it's not in any kind of repair, it's just in active mode. And during the day, we then get a lot of, you know, benefits through our skin, but we also get some damage. Pollutants hit our skin, um, EMS hit our skin, you know, dirt and germs hit our skin, um, and UV light will damage the skin. It's, it's unequivocal evidence out there UV light will damage your skin. Even though there's benefits in getting vitamin D, it will damage your skin. Now, this is the clever thing. And three weeks ago, a study came out proving this, um, which was really interesting, is that the skin needs periods of complete darkness in order to heal and go into its repair mode. So again, like the sun has both blue and red light, nature always gives us an antidote to the problems caused. Now, the problem in the day is UV light causing a bit of skin damage, a bit of redness to the skin from a bit of sunburn or a bit of pinkness. But we're going home after a day at the beach. We're missing out on the, the sunset, which contains healing properties of red light. We're going home, switching on the artificial lights, exposing ourselves to blue light, telling our skin it can stay in the active phase and not be in the repair phase. So basically, it's not, you know, the, this artificial light isn't allowing the skin to repair the UV damage. So is UV light really causing skin cancers or is it causing damage to the skin, but we're not allowing our skin to repair itself in the absence of blue and green light after dark? And even when we sleep now, we have car headlights coming in, street lamps, neighbors, you know, partner getting up to go to the bathroom in the night or whatever, um, you know, not allowing our skin to be in that restorative mode. 
And what you also find as well is with these people is that um, they'll burn, they'll do all that other stuff that I've just mentioned, but they also won't sleep well because of that. Now, we've mentioned melatonin as a sleep hormone. It's actually the most powerful antioxidant that we can produce internally. It's a free, ra um, free radical scavenger, a reactive oxygen species cleaner-upper. And the fact that we're not allowing ourselves to produce that melatonin after dark, we're getting less of that repair hormone that's going through our bodies, cleaning up all the dead and dying cells, and then leaving us susceptible to skin cancers, other cancers, um, maybe neurological diseases because the brain isn't getting cleared out properly. So when it comes to the sun, circadian rhythm is very, very important, but context does still need to be, be um, applied. And the second reason, another study that's actually out there shows that light passing through our eyes tells us what time of day it is, okay? So when we wear sunglasses outside during the day to protect against UV, which I don't feel you should if you've got a correct circadian rhythm, um, those sunglasses are filtering out specific frequencies of light, specifically UV, a lot of the blue, a lot of the reds, a lot of pretty much everything, which is then sending the incorrect light signal to our brain to tell us, well, maybe it isn't the middle of the day. Maybe I don't need to be protective against UV because my eyes are receiving light, but it's not receiving any UV light. So it can't be present. It must be nighttime. So we don't need to put the protective sort of um, mechanisms in place to filter that UV correctly, which means that wearing sunglasses is actually telling your body that it's nighttime, which is causing you to burn quicker. Um, and again, this is a study that has been conducted and it's out there in the peer reviewed literature that has shown that this could be a, a major problem in today's society. Um, so yeah, I guess I gonna, that covers the sunscreen side of it. Yeah. I was gonna ask, one of my clients was actually asking, do you know I was gonna talk to you today? And she said that she wears um, contact lenses that are mm. UV, have UV protection in, mm, but she was saying that the, they don't change the temperature of the, the light. So I'm guessing that would, I think that's answered my question. Would they still be having an effect on circadian rhythm? And um, Not as bad as, as sunglasses, but yeah. UV light, you still need, will still send a signal to the brain to tell, help tell you the time of the day. So she needs to not wear them if she, if she can. Mm. It's very difficult to, to find um, contact lenses without UV. Now, another thing that UV light does um, in, in the retina is that it's the one frequency of light that actually passes through your retina and mixes with something called DHA, which is located in very high quantities in the eye. And when it does that, it actually helps to intensify and create a DC electric current through the body. And a DC electric current will actually improve heteroplasmy rates, help in redox potential of cells, and also allow us to heal from any inflammation that we have during the day. Now, uh, on, the, on, on the same side as, of that, I mentioned grounding earlier. So that's putting our bare feet on the grass or on the sand because the earth conducts a DC electric current. And when we actually connect to the earth, hence the tree huggers that go and hug trees and stand barefoot on the grass and on the, on the sand, are trying to embrace more DC electric current from the earth in order to help reduce inflammation. And there's some good studies out there and a good friend of mine, um, Tim Gray, who's the CEO of the Health Optimization Summit in London in the UK, has released some trials um, that he's got from various doctors that have shown that after three hours of just having more DC electric current through the body, through grounding or through allowing UV light to pass through your eyes, the 
blood actually flows better, um, inflammation levels drop, drop. So you can actually see how important UV light is in terms of allowing that DC electric current to intensify in the body. And you can't do that if you're filtering out UV light from your eyes. Interesting. Do you know of any brands that do, like if she needs um, contact lenses, would you just prefer yeah. her to use her regular glasses or... Do they also contain UV filters? I'm not sure. Yeah, so I would I would ask um, your optometrist um, that question. Um, I don't know any brands that that are out there that that would do that. A lot of them are just as standard now because it's seen UV has been demonised, much like blue light's been demonised, and you know context has to be applied to, to that as well. Yeah. So my advice, if she can't find any with a UV filter, is to keep her glass, get rid of the contacts for a start, wear glasses. And then periodically throughout the day, just take them off for mm. maybe 30 seconds and just sort of allow yeah. the light to pass through your eyes, maybe, you know, five, six times a day minimum, and then she'll be completely fine. Yeah, it's a great tip. And then the second part of my question, sorry, I threw like mm. three at one, yeah, <laughs> three and one at you, but was about sad lamps and yeah. if they would be a good thing to have on the desk to at least get some benefits and then trying to have those five minute breaks every couple of hours mm. while someone's an office worker. Yeah, look, look, sad lamps, are, they do have their purpose. Um, they emit a lot of blue light, which I've mentioned earlier, increases dopamine and serotonin. So it's going to make you feel good. Okay. Mm -hmm. But it's like anything, you know, it's dopamine is, is a reward system. Okay. So you'll get it from say eating chocolate, um, cheese for me, like, God, I've literally just not buy it. <laughs> so, so nice. Um, to other real serious things like, um, cocaine, um, sex, things like that. You can, if you have too much dopamine you become more and more resistant to it and then you need more and more of that to get the same benefit of feeling great so the issue you've got with things like seasonal affective disorder is that in my opinion and looking at a lot of the literature out there we're ODing on too much artificial light during the day becoming more resistant to it getting the sad lamp sticking that in our face and getting that oh this is good for a bit and then it's it's only intensifying the problem it's only feeding and fueling that dopamine addiction to that blue light so look, do I think that they have their place? I think they do in the chronically um, depressed um, in the short term. But like you alluded to there, you have to be outside constantly during those winter months and you will feel so much better. And the winter also has something else that is really, really beneficial to the circadian system and to our, our general feeling of, of mood. And that's cold. So cold therapy is, is very, very important. And you know, I'm not saying go and jump in an ice lake straight away, but build up to it. Go outside in the in the cold and, you know, start taking off layers of clothes and try and expose yourself to that cold. And you'll find that your mood will be, you'll feel invigorated. You'll feel, um, you know, really good. And it's, it's easy for me to do because it's, you know, it's 35 degrees today here in Australia. I'll go have a nice cold shower and I'll feel amazing. And that's not a problem, but it's very different in the UK and I get that. <laughs> Um, and you know, you just got to ease up to it and the cold showers are great. They've done absolute wonders for me, you know, like putting them on and just, it really just gets you going in the morning. And even if it's something in the UK, like maybe not having your heating on for a couple of mornings and getting ready in the cold and just, it will really, really help your, your sort of, um, your mental health, your hormones, it will make you feel invigorated without having to spike dopamine, which blue light does good during the day but when we start having all these you know exposure to all these fake devices we're getting it in quantities that our body isn't used to and you know you see people that 
you know, a lot of a lot of people in the media will say, oh, people have got a social media addiction. People have got an addiction to gaming. Yeah, that might be true. And I'm not saying it isn't. But have they got an addiction to dopamine, which is being released from the amount of blue light that they're taking in during the day as well? Maybe it's not just um, the social pressures of social media. Maybe it's something to do with the light composition that, um, you know, teens are blasting into their face as well. And one thing that I'll, I'm sorry, I'm segueing off into no, something no, else. I'm loving I, it. I need to say it before <laughs> I forget. Um, one thing that we've seen increase rapidly in the population, especially in females, is Hashimoto's and thyroid related issues. And it's very important for women because it's the hub of all their hormones right in there. And what are they doing in offices during the day? They've got a computer screen right in front of them, like here, like I'm looking at, like you're looking at, blasting blue light into our. Um, um, into our thyroid, which is only located a few millimeters under the skin um, and actually disrupting how it functions because the thyroid will have its own clock system and we're constantly bombarding it with blue light, which is causing it to become hypo or hyper in, in nature. So we're seeing a rise in Hashimoto. So I say to a lot of women, you know, when you're at work, wear a scarf around your neck, protect that um, very vulnerable area from exposure to blue light and from EMFs. Um, cover it up and men typically these days I mean I can't grow much of one but a lot of guys have beards which will cover um, the thyroid um, they typically in the UK for instance not so much Australia they'll wear a shirt and tie which will cover the thyroid um, so it seems to be that women who typically wear more and I'm not saying really low cut tops here mm -hmm. but you know ones that sort of have a v in probably a bit, yeah. like, a bit like what you've got there mm -hmm. you know it sort of um, exposes that sort of neckline you're leaving yourself more susceptible to damage from the blue light on the thyroid as well. So people need to be cognizant of that as well. Yeah, I'm going to zip my jacket up right now. <laughs> That's it, a really definitely. good tip. I don't have yeah. Hashimoto's. My mum has it. So that is definitely okay. on my radar. So let's zip this yes. right up for the rest of, That's brilliant. Yes, the, so rest that's of the podcast. Yeah, good yeah, idea. Because I work online primarily. So I, I can go outside whenever I want. So that's a positive. But I am behind yes. the screen a lot. So love that tip. That's going to stay up there. Maybe not the Good. most comfortable, but I've yeah. not heard that one Get before. Get a nice scarf. And yeah, yeah, no, it's, it's definitely something that um, needs to be looked at. And I, I've mentioned it on quite a lot of the podcasts I've been mm -hmm. on. A lot of people have, have messaged in to say, wow, like just wearing this scarf for like yeah. three to six months. And I was, you know, already had like sort of onset hyperthyroidism. And within three to six months of covering their neck with a scarf, they've gone back to their doctors and it's literally disappeared. It's, it's the most Ooh, bizarre amazing. thing. And again, this, this is anecdotal yeah. people, you know, it's not clinical trialed mm -hmm. in, in that respect, but it's good to hear of these real case studies of people that have taken that advice and tried it and seen it, you know, improve. So Definitely. it was very nice to hear. Yeah. But a lot of the people list, a lot of the women listening and a lot of my clients are doing all, a lot of the other things that we hear about all the time. So the, eating an anti-inflammatory gluten-free diet and they're taking yeah. the supplements and they're healing their gut which are spoken about for Hashimoto's and autoimmunity but maybe something like that is a key factor that's been overlooked so yeah love mm. that tip and I'll be passing that on and sharing it with everyone so Amazing. speaking of hormones we've mm. touched on the benefits of melatonin and how it can help with sleep obviously and when you're sleeping well your mood and your energy and your hormones are going to be more regulated but I want to dive in because this podcast is the Hormones in Harmony podcast and I have a lot of women listening with PCOS or Hashimoto's yeah. or PMS even, infertility. Can you talk a bit more about the 
the importance of having an optimal circadian rhythm with female hormones and how it's so interconnected. Yeah, absolutely. Um, the two sort of biggest hormones in women that become a problem when you talk of um, uh, like polycystic, polycystic ovary um, syndrome um, is two. It's, it's estrogen um, and a disruption of um, the estrogen cycle. So whether it's too much or too little um, or whether it's not functioning and secreting correctly. Estrogen is, um, again, another hormone that's governed by lights and dark cycles. We produce majority of it in the absence of blue and green light and, and whilst we sleep. So you can see that if we're exposing our bodies to unnecessary quantities of artificial blue light and telling it's the daytime all the time, we're going to have very irregular hormones when it comes to um, estrogen. And another hormone that is really governed by um, inadequate sleep and um, lack of darkness is something called prolactin. Um, so it's the, I guess, the hormone that's found in, I guess, eventually breast milk mm -hmm. um, down the line as well. Um, but that is actually the disruption of that hormone too much, too little can lead to issues such as your polycystic ovary syndrome as well. Um, so we've got to bear in mind that when we look at light, we're not just talking about melatonin. We're talking about some of these other um, reproductive hormones as, as well. And sort of going back to, to melatonin, um, I mentioned it a little bit earlier in, in, in our conversation that there are sites within the female reproductive system where melatonin is produced in massive quantities, okay? Um, and that's the placenta and that's the ovaries. Um, and as I mentioned earlier, um, uh, melatonin is, is not just a sleep hormone, it's an antioxidant. And we know this from studies. And we also know the fact that if we wanted to sleep, why is melatonin being produced in the ovaries and placenta? It didn't make sense. And then they discovered that it was a, a massive um, antioxidant. And it can only be produced, again, like we said, it can, melatonin can only be produced optimally in the absence of blue and green light after dark. So if we're allowing that light to pass through our eyes, we're not going to get optimal levels of melatonin produced at those sites, at the placenta and in the ovaries, which means that reproductive health then becomes an issue. Um, you know, ovarian cancers and um, not allowing the correct, I guess, function of placentas in, in women as well can actually cause issues in, in relation to fertility and um, conception rates. Um, so we've just got to be mindful that, you know, we're not just trying to improve our sleep here, we're trying to improve the amount of melatonin that's produced, which will actually help with, um, you know, reproductive health for, um, for women as well. So you've got to be very mindful of, of those things. And you know, another major issue, it, it doesn't just stop at women as well. And, and, you know, you might have quite a lot of women that listen to your show as opposed to men. But um, where I've mentioned this in the past, a lot of the women have gone away and, and spoken to their husbands. Maybe they're looking to, um, to plan for a baby and they want the, you know, the best success rates. And you find that, um, actually, before I go on to that as well, I think it's female menstrual cycles as well are, are very much governed by circadian rhythms. I think it's probably be aloof if I didn't say mm -hmm. anything about um, that as well. And there's a very, very famous study um, that was done on night shift nurse workers. Um, and they looked at loads of different sort of um, factors in their health. And basically, they were all rubbish because they worked night shifts and their circadian rhythm wasn't um, functioning correctly. But one thing that night shift workers had um, that was massively different to people that worked during the day was they had irregular menstrual cycles and they also had heavier periods as well, um, as opposed to people that worked during uh, women that worked during the day. Um, and they put that down to the, the, the circadian disruption um, and the too much exposure of, of light. 
Um, breast cancer is another issue as well. Um, that's on the increase as, as well. And there are studies out there that allude to the fact that um, melatonin can't be produced naturally um, in that area because of the exposure to blue light after dark. So people need to bear that in mind as, as well. But, you know, equally, they're not getting, people aren't getting out in the sun and exposing, you know, those parts of the body to the sun. And, you know, it's culturally in society, it's, it's not really, you know, sort of see, is seen as taboo, you know, and I'm not saying people to just get naked in, in public, don't do that, please. Um, but maybe in your back garden in the summer, maybe some topless sunbathing might be needed um, in order to allow restorative colours of light to, to be in that area and help you, you know, protect yourself against potential issues um, with, with your breasts later on in life. Um, but going back to men, um, testosterone is produced um, in larger quantities in, in the evenings. Um, and it is it peaks at around 7 a.m., which is in line with when the sun rises. So if you're looking to conceive, get your um, partner to bed early, get them rising early and maybe look to, um, you know, have have sex in the mornings. Um, that's probably when when men's sperm is, is going to be at its highest. Seasonality as well comes into it for men. Um, in the springtime, men will have higher sperm counts um, than other months. And it's actually lowest in the summer. Um, so, you know, you need to look at the springtime. It makes complete sense because spring is the time for, for nature to, you know, other mammals and birds and things to, to reproduce. They know this. Um, another big one for males is um, it is like there's, a, there's an antibody. It's called like anti-sperm antibody. So ASA. Um, and studies have shown that this is higher in men who go to bed um, later than men who go to bed earlier. So there was a trial that came out that showed that men who went to bed around about midnight or later um, had a very, very high levels of this anti-sperm antibody in their system the next morning, which means, as it sounds, it's not a nice thing, it's gonna destroy sperm. So your sperm count will be lower and the quality of sperm will be lower. So people that went to bed before 10 p.m. Um, in the evenings, had hardly any of this antibody um, in their system. So you then tie it into the circadian rhythms. It's a circadian issue. You need to have a functioning circadian rhythm in order to be um, optimal from a, a reproductive hormone standpoint. Um, and when it comes to when it comes to birth as well, many births in um, women happen um, in the early hours of the morning. Melatonin typically peaks in humans around about 1 to 3 a.m. in the morning. Um, and in order to allow for um, birth to happen, you need to have um, melatonin mixed with oxytocin, um, which then induces labor. So there is no sort of surprise that most of these births happen in the middle of the night when melatonin is at its highest. So if you want to maybe have an easier pregnancy, you'll want to have higher levels of melatonin to be able to mix with more oxytocin and be able to have a, a much more smoother birth. And we're seeing a lot more now when you look at some of the stats is that births aren't happening at that time and it's declining at that time because our melatonin levels are all over the place. Um, and sometimes we're seeing late pregnancies because melatonin levels aren't high enough to induce um, uh, induce labor. So you need to look at that as well. And, and supplementing on melatonin isn't an option as, as well, because you're in essence taking an um, exogenous hormone. You don't know how much is a safe level, how much is um, it's going to impact your system. And 
melatonin is produced in the absence of blue and green light. And if we're taking melatonin supplementation under this light, you're going to wreak havoc to your system. Um, prostate cancer as well in men has been linked to um, low levels of melatonin, which is a circadian issue. Um, but one of the most important studies that came out, um, it was related, and this was about two or three months ago, was related to chrononutrition. Um, so when the baby's actually been born, the baby doesn't have a circadian rhythm and it will be how that they're basically raised and under what light they're raised into how quickly and how healthily they develop that circadian rhythm. Also, we thought there is actually something else at play. So in this, this clinical trial, the, um, the PhDs that did this basically took breast milk from lactating women um, during uh, the daylight hours and they took breast milk from um, them in nighttime hours and they tested it for hormone composition. Breast milk that was pumped during the day was high in cortisol, okay, which is the hormone that allows us to feel alert and awake. When they tested the breast milk that was pumped after sunset, so in the night hours, there was zero cortisol in it, but it was very high in tryptophan and melatonin. So this was what the authors coined. They coined something called chrononutrition, that it's actually the mother's breast milk that is sending signals to the baby to entrain and develop a circadian rhythm. So what's happening in this day and age is that people are pre-pumping breast milk, probably during the day, putting it in the fridge, loaded with cortisol, and then giving that to their baby during a night feed, making them feel very awake, taking, you know, and that's probably why they're not getting back to sleep. So a simple hack is just label when you're pumping your breast milk. Have half of it pumped during the day, half of it um, pumped after dark, and then you're going to get different hormone compositions, which will help entrain babies' um, circadian rhythm correctly and actually allow you guys to get more sleep because the baby will sleep better and it won't sleep as much during the day. It will be more active because it will have more cortisol during the day. And then when you look at mum's circadian rhythms whilst they're having um, the, I guess, the the incubation period when they're holding the baby inside them. Studies have also shown that women that have a disrupted circadian rhythm, so they're going to bed late, getting up late, feeling fatigued, exposing themselves to blue light, their babies have a more um, a higher risk of actually having more behavioral and psychological issues in their younger years. Um, so it's very important for mum to have a healthy circadian rhythm when they're carrying a baby as well in order to give them the best starts in life. So I think that probably summarizes it in a nutshell without sort of taking too much of a deep dive into the, I guess, the mechanisms. But yeah, it's very, very important and it very much impacts, um, you know, fertility and, um, and uh, reproductive health in, in men and women. Absolutely. And that simple, chi- uh, simple tip could be an absolute game changer for a lot of new mums because they're already probably sleep deprived and depleted. And if they're giving their baby the daytime milk and it's going to be more difficult to get it to sleep and it's going to be screaming and crying. So that alone mm-hmm. could make a massive difference. And it just makes sense evolutionarily. And even the past 50 years, 100 years, the earth has changed so much, like our technology and um lighting now and smartphones and all of that and our biology hasn't really adapted so we are still very yeah. cyclical beings and the moon cycles and the sun cycles really affect the menstrual cycle length and just crazy stuff but it's all been forgotten and mm-hmm. all of this like yeah. traditional wisdom has been missed 
and with the breastfeeding as well I think another mistake people make is they turn on all of the lights and when they go into the baby's room there's lamps and lights everywhere so could you give some tips if someone's a new mom and they are breastfeeding would you recommend them wearing the glasses and what could they do for the child to protect the circadian rhythm at that time yeah absolutely and it's one of the biggest um one of the biggest issues is actually the night feeds and and performing the night feeds under artificial blue light so yeah you need wherever the baby's sleeping whether it be in your room um or in its own room um you need to install red light bulbs um into those um those rooms or you want to have some sort of night feeding lamp that contains and and emits red light because red doesn't disrupt melatonin and it's not just about protecting your own eyes, it's about protecting the baby and the child's eyes as well from being um, disrupted in, in terms of the wrong light exposure. Um, so typically, yeah, we always recommend you wear those red glasses um, when you get up to give that night feed. So you're not telling your brain when you switch on your light that, oh, it's daytime again. Mm-hmm. And then you struggle to get back to sleep. If you put the red glasses on, go into the baby's room, get a nice maybe salt lamp or a red light lamp or even red lights in the room, you can switch those on give the baby the, the breast milk that was pumped during the, the night time or whether you're feeding it directly, that's obviously going to be more beneficial. Um, and then you'll be able to go after the feed, baby will go to sleep quicker and you'll actually go back to sleep a lot quicker as well because you haven't got that message going to your brain to tell you that it's the middle of the day and you need to get up and stop producing melatonin. So they're, they're the best and simplest hacks um, for that, yeah. I'm sure. They benefit everyone. Everyone's yes, going to be happier absolutely. that way. And you mentioned before the really negative effects of night shift work. Obviously, it needs to be done. Someone needs to be at the hospital and the um, police and all of that. So if someone is listening, they're like, oh, my God, I am screwed. I'm doing the complete opposite as to what I should be doing. What tips or what hacks can night shift workers do? Should they be trying to mimic the daytime when they're in the night or are they just trying to follow follow as, as much as they can the, the natural circadian rhythm no they they um number one like you know regardless of what you do with night shift work and it's it's sad because it's typically the people we need you know um yeah. to, to do those jobs um you're never going to have optimal health regardless of what hacks you do you can improve your situation um but you're never going to be optimal and i have to lay that down and it, it sounds harsh but it's fact of the matter yeah. okay um but in terms of hacks to improve it, you know, going from maybe a, a zero to a, a five on the scale, um, there are things you can do, okay? So you're gonna get a lot more inflammation when you work in your night shifts because you're exposing yourself to only artificial light. There's no natural light around. So when you finish your night shift, you need to be grounding. Um, so get your shoes and socks off and walk across the grass or the beach for a little bit and allow that DC electric current to heal um, any of the inflammation. Clear computer glasses when you're working night shift isn't going to cut it. You need the yellow ones that I'm wearing because you need to filter a lot more of that artificial light because you're not getting any of the natural light. Then you would reverse it. So three hours before you want to go to bed, you need to make sure you're wearing the red sleep plus glasses that we have um, created. Um, But before you do that, you really want to try and get a couple of hours of sunshine um, after your shift um, to allow natural light to be in your life. Otherwise, if you don't, that's going to be a major issue and lead to anxiety, depression, along with a lot of other major issues later on in life. Um, So that's very important. Um, I would also suggest um, no caffeine um, because that will impact your sleep and also looking at your meals. So when you wake up to start your shift, having a nice big meal. 
and then finish eating maybe about eight hours before you plan to go to bed because digestion will get in the way of melatonin production and, and deep and REM sleep. Um, so they're probably the best hacks. Cold shower after your shift as well would be fantastic. That will help reduce, um, help reduce inflammation. Um, but yeah, eye protection is, is very, very key. Yellow lenses and then red lenses. Um, and ideally change the day shifts where you can, but if you can't, um, then those hacks will, will definitely help you improve, you know, improve your, your wellness and well-being a, a lot. Mm-hmm. And again, I don't think people even do um, any of those things. So they just try to go to sleep as soon as they finish work and they're just yes. feeling terrible. And then on the days, what about on days off? Do you recommend to try and stick to that same schedule or just try and get into a normal maybe if it's two to three days off, what do you recommend there? Um, sorry, I missed that bit. It just sort of broke up a little bit. Yeah. So when they have days off, so say they have like three days off in a row, do you recommend trying to follow a a natural circadian rhythm on those days or just try and stay as consistent as possible? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you know, whatever they do in those off periods is, is not going to be optimal, but if they can, it's it's the constant switching back and forward. That's the issue. Um, but also the issue is staying in the same nocturnal pattern as well. So it's a really difficult one. They really just have to get out of night shifts if they want to be healthy. But, you know, if I had to choose one, it would be revert back to, um, not being nocturnal, um, in your days off and get as much sun as you can Mm. get as much grounding as you can and get outside so much, get your sunglasses off, no sunscreen, get out there all day from AM through to PM. Um, and that will go a long way into sort of helping your circadian systems. Um, and, you know, rather than just remaining nocturnal, because you're going to end up getting less sun that way. So, yeah, definitely try and revert back where you can. It's, it's just going to be a tough life. It really is. Yeah. And just for general sleep hygiene tips, I'll say someone's really struggling with falling to sleep or just getting good quality, waking up, feeling refreshed. What are some other things apart from avoiding blue light in the evening, wearing the glasses, any other of your favorite tips? Yeah, absolutely. Um, There's loads of things you can do. And and one thing with sleep is that there's a lot of things that can go in your arsenal that um, you can use, but not all of them will work for everyone. So I've trialed them all and some of them work for me and some of them don't. So in terms of better sleep, um, diffusing lavender into your room increases something called GABA, um, which helps get you into a deep state of sleep. Um, So try that. Um, just a general sort of water diffuser and put some lavender essential oil in there is, is really good. You can also have a spray for your pillow. Magnesium um, before bed um, to supplement on that can help as well. Complete blackout in your um, sleeping area. So whether that's wearing one of our remedy sleep masks or wearing, um, sorry, or um, having 100% blackout curtains really helps as well. Um, so definitely look at that. Our body can sense light whilst we sleep. So 100% blackout is, is key. Um, powering down your devices at least a couple of hours before bed, regardless of whether you're wearing blue blockers or not, to not stimulate the brain into being active and to wind down. Meditation works very well for a lot of people, um, whether that be sort of mindfulness or manifestations or um, whatever sort of meditation people want to do. A cold room is very important. A warm bedroom is not good for deep and REM sleep. So you want to be about 16 to 18 degrees centigrade if you can. So don't have that heating too high in the winter and don't have the air con too high um, in the summer. Um, So you need to look at that as well. 
Um, what else is good before bed? Um, not eating um, after dark is very beneficial for sleep. So having your, even if it's just maybe just not having a big dinner, maybe just having a, a light snack in the evening if, if you need to eat um, is very good. Um, glycine um, is another supplement you can take before bed, which has been known to improve sleep. It's a bit like a sugar, but mm -hmm. it's not a sugar. Um, so you can try that. Um, not eating fats and proteins before bed. Um, if you need to eat, make it carbohydrate, typically a simple carbohydrate. So like a, something like a piece of fruit. Um, bananas, very good. High in potassium is, is a good hack there. Um, warm and cold showers. Some people swear by a nice warm shower before bed helps them. Other people say a cold shower helps them. Mm -hmm. So um, I think that those sort of hacks are, are really good. Um, one other one that works well for a lot of people is binaural beats. Mm -hmm. um, so you can listen to those as you're drifting off to sleep, which are specific frequencies of sounds that you can listen to just through Spotify or iTunes. You can get them for free um, that mimic the basically the brain waves that go through your head. Um, and you can get ones with delta waves, which is the type of wave that induces deep sleep. So you can, you know, what these platforms say that when you listen to these binaural beats, it sinks your brain waves to get into deeper sleep quicker. So that can be done as well. So that's probably the top hacks that I would recommend. Um, some good ones in there that have worked for me. Um, and some that have worked well for other people that have used them, but not so well for me. So you just got to experiment with them more and see what happens and what works for you. Absolutely. And I love that a lot of them are free, easily accessible to a lot of people. And the carbohydrate thing, am I right, is the tryptophan to serotonin to melatonin conversion. Is that the reason for carbohydrates as alone as a snack working well yeah yeah absolutely yeah so yeah you, you're building up um serotonin from sun during the day so the more of that the better because it then synthesizes with um tryptophan later on yeah. in the day to, to produce melatonin but it can only be done in the absence of, of blue and green light so you've got to remember that as, as well um so yes that's exactly that amazing and then to finish up let's talk a bit more about the products you have on offer so you've mentioned a few your um, wearing the is it summer glow the name of the That's ones correct. Yep. yeah i've got my um sleep plus ones here so we can model Amazing. them right now yeah, so yeah i'm not going to put them on now because it's yeah. morning it's 10 a.m for me so i'm not going to mess with any circadian rhythm um i'll put them on yeah. at sunset is that the ideal time so when the sun probably like 4 30 p.m here which is sad but yeah so yeah. after it's set that's um that's key yeah. um not before it sets um because the sun actually emits its highest level of blue light um at sun uh, sunset mm -hmm. um which then cues the brain to be like right blue light now is going to plummet to nothing and i can start releasing the melatonin so once that sun sets and artificial light starts going on get your sleep plus glasses on because they're the ones that block between 400 and 550 nanometers and will get you going to bed um correctly in terms of the circadian um, standpoint but also it will get you producing as much melatonin as you possibly can which is a great antioxidant as well the summer glows are for winter and for people that are sensitive to light during the day so you wouldn't wear these outside you just wear them indoors during the day when there's artificial light and we also have a pair of clear glasses as well called blue light um, and they're like computer glasses so they're great from the, for the summer when you're working in an office when there is some artificial light present but you've got some good natural um, light coming in through your windows. 
then you just need to take the edge off the blue, which is why we use the computer glasses. So typically everyone goes for all three because light needs change with the seasons and depending on how you're feeling. Um, I wear the yellows. I have a sensitivity to blue light because I develop migraines. So during the day, if I'm exposed to artificial light, I'll wear these more often than not um, to protect my eyes from that sensitivity. So I always say to people, you know, if you've listened to this and it's, it's really interested you and you're interested in the glasses, definitely email us. Um, it's just on the website, blueblocks.com, B-L-U-B-L-O-X.com, which I'm sure you'll link. Um, and people can go to the contacts um, section and actually message us and say, look, this is my light situation. This is how I'm feeling. What glasses would be best for me and what free hacks on top of getting the glasses can I do to make my personal situation better? Because light's different for us all. We all live different lives and we have different problems um, in our lives. And a lot of them can be um, repaired with proper light hygiene. And, you know, we're, we're all more than happy to hear them. Um, and we're more than happy to provide our advice on a, on a sort of custom level as well for people. Yeah, I love that you offer that service and personalize it a bit more. And I'll just give my little story of how my sleep has yeah, been please. transformed with the glasses. Oh, I'd love to hear it. Yeah, because um, I've been wearing the regular Amazon ones for a few years now, like two to three years. Yeah. And again, I noticed a difference and found improvement with that. And when I wouldn't wear them, I, I could tell a difference. Yes. But I heard about your company at the end of last year. And hearing you speak, I was like, yeah, this guy knows what he's doing. Like there's the science behind it. And they've been made in a proper setting as opposed to a factory. So I was like, mm. I'll just try them out. And yes, they're a little bit more expensive than what you get on Amazon, but I think they're worth it. And the first week, I got them on the Black Friday sale. So I got them yes. a bit before Christmas. And I don't know if it was the just the Christmas break or that combined with the glasses. My, I was sleeping 12 plus hours every single night wow. and I would wake up feeling <laughs> so refreshed. And after that, it balanced out. It wasn't like I was exhausted the whole time. I, my body was just like so sleep deprived by the sounds of things and they've made a massive difference. And now I wear them in the evenings because I still need to work on my laptop and do emails and stuff in the evening, which isn't ideal, but at least I yeah. can feel a little bit better about doing so. And yes. at any point when I lift them up, it's like a, it's like a flashing light. It's so bright when you see the screen. Yeah. And I even have the blue light filters on my iPhone and on my laptop. And it's still so different to have these on. And some people think that it's going to distort the colors of everything, but it doesn't really make a huge difference. And you really get used to it after a while. So I personally love mine. What I will say is that they're a little bit loose on my head. So I don't know if you have different sizes and things. Um, we do, yeah. yes. Okay, yeah, so, I, so I wasn't aware of, of that. Sizes. Yeah, it's okay. difficult, to, difficult to select online because, you know, um, you know it, you're not physically trying mm -hmm. them on, but, you know, we, we offer easy exchanges for people that have okay. that problem. Um, and if people want help choosing before they buy, we've got a, a new face shape guide as well to help out. And we also do custom frames. So if you have a pair of old sunnies that you want to throw out after listening to me sort of preach on for the last hour <laughs> and a half, then send them to us and we'll put our lenses in them and you can use yeah. them as blue blockers. So Perfect. that's nice and easy as well. But I highly recommend Worth Every Penny and I'm slowly building my um, collection of them as well. I'll gonna get them all and the sleep mask as well that sounds like a great one yes some sleep masks are absolutely terrible and then more irritating and make my sleep more disturbed so yeah i think you've got a, a really amazing company going on and like you said you're growing and expanding and you're reaching so many people and the results really do 
um, show for themselves. And I'm really happy to have um, had you on the podcast today and I appreciate all the information. I think you're just a wealth of knowledge. You can tell us so much, so much passion and information in that head of yours and you just want to spread the word. So thank you, Andy, so much for your time today. No worries. Thank you so much for, for having me on your show. I'm really, really honoured to have been on it and be able to speak to your, your beautiful community. Um, and, you know, if we help just one person from this conversation, then our work's done. So thank you so much. Seriously, how amazing was that information from Andy? I'm definitely going to be listening back to this multiple times because I think we all need this reminder and you can tell Andy really knows his stuff. So again, if you really want to grab a pair of blue blocking glasses, Get in touch with them on their website to find out which one would be best for you if you're not sure. Give them a bit about your story and they'll happily help. And be sure to use the code HORMONES to save 15% at checkout. And remember that with each purchase, you'll be helping someone who's also in need of glasses. Thank you for listening to another episode of the Hormones in Harmony podcast. If you like this episode, please leave me a rating or review as this helps to spread the word to other women dealing with hormone imbalances. As a massive thank you gift, I'll send you a free guide, Six Steps to Hormonal Harmony. All you need to do is screenshot your rating and review, then email it to me at hormonesinharmony at gmail.com and I'll send you the link to download this free guide. If you haven't already, check out my website vivanaturalhealth.co.uk and Instagram page at vivanaturalhealth for tons more free content and inspiration. You can also schedule a free 30-minute hormone troubleshooting call to find out the next steps to take in order to overcome your symptoms naturally. See you back here next week for another episode.